the, what the, defining the prophetic, defining prophesy, defining prophet, so we're all speaking the same language. I shared that same message at Northwest Christian Fellowship this week because we're all intertwined, moving in the same direction, all part of the same diamond. Then we talked about God's communication scale from feeling to hearing to seeing. This week I want to follow up on another subject that we, that Michael Watkins talked about that I was going to share on what I'm about to share now, but there just wasn't enough time. And so we're going to talk about, remember he talked about waves of revival and um, how they're going to come in waves of revival. Can you turn this thing off up here? And um, waves of revival that's coming. And um, so what I mean by that, I heard this first phrase, a lot of people are saying it now, which probably means it's the Holy Spirit. Whatever two or three witnesses are, it's confirmed. You're hearing it everywhere. I first heard it probably 10, 15 years ago from Rick Joyner. He talked about that the revival that's come is going to come in waves of revival or renewal. I think some ways what happened at Asbury was, which is, this is how Ken Fish, the vineyard uh, denomination, talks about it, is he says he believes, and I think he's right, there's renewal of Christians, then there's revival or of, of non-Christians, and then there's reformation of your society. And I think from watching what's been happening at Asbury, what happened at the Toronto Father's Blessing was a renewal. That means moving Christians from a cold state or a lukewarm state to a hot state. Because there were some people say, but it was mostly about Christians. And I think that's typically probably what he's going to do first. He's got to get us on fire so that when new Christians come in, they're going to become who they hang out with. And so he's getting us to the place that we're, we're not lukewarm, we're not cold, we're hot. And so you're seeing that happen with the repentance and the holiness. If you'll remember, almost two years ago, I, I stood up and I, and I shared an experience with the Lord that the Lord had with me where He said, what if I don't start the revival with, with uh, uh, healings, salvations, and deliverance? He didn't say it wouldn't come. He just said start with it. What if I start with it with holiness? That's what happened, started, you see some of that Asbury. And then all of a sudden he allowed me to experience a portion of his holiness that almost overwhelmed my body. You know, in Revelation, it doesn't, even though it's true, it doesn't say God is good, God is good, God is great, God is great, God is love. What does it say? God is holy, holy, holy. And there's whole portions of that I just frankly don't really quite understand. But I experienced a portion of His holiness that within about 30 seconds, I said, Lord, you're going to have to back off or I'm going to physically die. That's how intense it was. And I'm not exaggerating. Our bodies, to experience the fullness of God, we are going to have to have new transformed bodies. Because of the fall of sin, it just can't happen. Now we know that at one time, our bodies could, before the fall of sin, handle the holiness and the glory of the Lord. Because that's what they were clothed in. When they sinned, they all of a sudden saw themselves naked. That's talking about physical nakedness, but it's also talking about soul nakedness and spiritual nakedness, because they were clothed in the glory of the Lord. Many people that have seen the Father says you can't hardly see His face because the glory, which is His inner beauty manifesting on His outer body, is so strong. 
I've, I've spent a couple years ago, I started studying the divine glory. What does glory mean? I didn't get anywhere. It was all over the map with, with commentaries. What does glory mean? Everybody's praying for glory. I'm like, what is that? I want God, not necessarily His glory. I'd rather have God if I get to pick, but everybody's asking for glory. And so about a month or two ago, I picked it back up, and I think I finally got a definition. I don't know if theologians will agree with it, but it's a definition that, that, that's set with me. And that glory is an outward reflection of His inner spirit. That glory is an outward reflection of how who He is on the inside. And He said, man has a small amount of glory because we're created in His image. Let me give you a, a maybe a trivial example, but it's the best example I can come up with. Have you ever met those people? When they come in the room, something comes in with them. I mean, a good thing. I'm not talking about if they're demon-possessed. Something comes in with them. And when they smile, it's like, that's not a normal smile. There's a shining around them. Because their inner spirit is so strong, you're seeing an outward manifestation in their eyes, in their smile, uh, of, of their spirit's in a good place. That's a very trivial, some ways, small example, but I think that's how the Lord is. So if the glory of the Lord shows up, He's showing up, and we're getting His outward smile, His outward manifestation of His goodness, plus so much more. He's not def- resigned to just smiles. And so, anyway, several years, so several years ago, 10, 15 years ago, Rick Joyner said, and, and we're seeing it happen, I've seen it happen twice in this region, where a small move of God comes in and goes out. He said the move of God is going to be like a storm coming in on the beach. Before the storm comes in, if you've ever studied it or watched it or seen it on TV, there's little waves that come in and lap up on the shore and go out. And over time, they get stronger and stronger till finally the big wave that if you're not ready for will destroy your property and destroy your house. And he said it's important to learn to position yourself correctly in the waves. Learn to anticipate where the waves come. And when the waves come in, learn to do them uh, steward it rightly. We have to steward God's presence without controlling God's presence. And that's what the little waves are for. I've seen those waves personally. I'm sure it's happened more than this. I've seen it happen twice with my own eyes in the last three months here, here and other places where there was a move of God, where you just stood back. One of them was vertical worship about three times back, where the move of God just came in. We did what we'd normally done. And then for the next hour and a half, people were crying. People were moving from, for those of you that were here, they were moving from group to group. People were prophesying and God was moving. And all we did, all I did was make sure, was just, how do I steward this? How do I move that? And then it, the wave went back out. And it was an opportunity, and I think we passed that test to not try to control it. Matter of fact, I went up to one young man. He's like 20, 22, something like that. He was crying uncontrollably. I'm for like 30 minutes. First time he was ever there. And I just went up to him trying to steward but not control. And he, I said, is there anything we can pray for you or do something? He couldn't even talk. And I said, it looks like you're in the right place. And I just walked away. 
And so we're going to have to be led by the Holy Spirit to know. And so when the waves get bigger and bigger, every skilled surfer knows. You have to position yourself and anticipate where the wave is coming in at. If you're in front of it, it'll just wash over you. If you're behind it, you're going to go, what just happened? We want to be on top of the wave so that we can ride the wave. So how do we do that? Um, let me just give you some, some um, thoughts on it. <clears throat> many, many years ago, actually many different times, I'm a software developer by day. That's how I make my money. Several different times over the last few years, I could have made major more money. That's good English, isn't it? Good thing Tiffany's here to to correct me. I could have made a lot more money. Remote, it's a little bit better, but before remote, you realize Dalton's not a hub of tech activity. Or Chattanooga, for that matter. I mean, there's some, but it's not typically less paid, not as many opportunities. I could have made a lot more money if I was willing to move. Surely it must have been God for me to move because I'm getting more money. If we're, so I'm going to give you three R's to help us to get positioned rightly as much as we can. And so that we're riding on the waves and stewarding those waves. And one of them is not money. Let me back up this way. If you're in the right place, let me, let me how, Lord, there's so much going through my mind, and I wasn't even planning on teaching on this. I was over there, and he said, teach on this. So we're going in this direction. <clears throat> Do you realize you can be pulled out of God's will and not sin, and not be following sin? People go, well, I'm going to go rob this bank or sleep with this other person. Well, we know that's sin. You're going to be pulled out of God's will. Do you realize there are, in the church, there's huge spirits of seduction to try to just get you misaligned so that you're not used mightily by God? You can still be saved. If I had moved to wherever and taken a job at 30% more pay, that would have helped me financially, but I would have been misaligned with God. The church is besieged by spirits of seduction, and then they call it God's blessings. We don't follow blessings. We follow, as Romans 8.14 says, those who are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. When you follow God's blessing, God's Spirit, many times blessings come. Many times, it's just hard. I was talking to a brother this past week. He was talking about uh, 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 end times. People like to talk about the end times. I hate talking about the end times. Because I don't think most people know <laughs> what it even means. He says we're going to be, the last day started 2,000 years ago. Anyway, he was talking about the tribulation and maybe how bad it's going to be. And this and that. I said, the tribulation's already here. Maybe not the last one. I said, have you read about Christians in North Korea? 
Have you read about Christians in Iran? Have you read about Christians in China? The tribulation is described in end times as not any different. Maybe it's even harder for them now. So my point is, I don't want to be in tribulation. I want to make as much money as I possibly can. But I want to follow the Spirit of God wherever it goes. And sometimes it's costly. But it will position you. There's three things I want to talk about. Right, you want to be with three R's. Like reading, writing, and arithmetic for school. This is right people, right place, right purpose. It is so important to... um, Find the right people, the right place, and the right purpose. You will not get positioned for the wave and accomplish what God wants on your life if you're not with the right people. That is not, humans don't like to hear that. We think it's all tied up around us. It's just not true. We're a body. He's the head. And I'm afraid many times in scriptures, if we're not careful... I'll be a hand and, and I'll disassociate with the wrist and I go wandering off down the path and I go, God, here I am. I'm way over here. Here, bless me. Do this. Do that. And He'll bless you the best He possibly can. But He's also going, you know, I can only do so much with a hand that's just flapping around over there on the ground. I need you to get connected with the wrist. Well, who's the wrist? And that's the question, isn't it? But I'm telling you, He has a right people doing in a right place. I'll define that in a minute. Doing the right purpose. And those three R's as we move into the Holy Spirit and listen closely to the Holy Spirit, that will position us exactly where we need to be. Now, one thing I, I, I know for sure, there's going to be waves somewhere in this county that won't hit here. And there'll be waves that will hit here, will not hit other places in the county. What do we do? I don't know about you, but my natural tendency is, God, what am I doing wrong? And maybe even get jealous of what's happening down the road. Wrong move. Go, God is moving. I'm glad He's moving. If He wants to move over there, He can. If He wants to move here, He can. Celebrate wherever He is moving at. You celebrate because the kingdom's being expanded. So I'm just telling you, you're going to hear moves here and there and go, why isn't He moving here? I don't know. Ask Him. I have no idea. But he will move here. He'll move in your, you know, why, like, uh, uh, like the guy that had his heart that Shane was talking about. You may know somebody, his heart's still messed up. Why has he moved on that one guy and that guy? I don't know. But let's celebrate that one guy. And it releases something in the atmosphere. Celebrate what they're doing at other places and home groups and churches and businesses. Celebrate it. And you're tuned in to the right frequency, since we're on that word, of what the kingdom's doing. And I'm telling you, back at 2.4 says, In the end, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth like the sea. What does that mean? The whole earth is going to see the glory of the Lord, tied back into what I was talking about earlier. They're going to see His shining Enter beauty on them however he wants to manifest it. It will happen. So, it's so important to get with the right people. Um, Paul is my, is my favorite character in the Bible outside of Jesus Christ. Acts twenty two twenty one. It says this, Then the Lord said to me, Paul in parentheses, 
Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Right? People's a big deal. He was a brilliant man if you studied him. He was like the head of the Sanhedrin. He was trained by the, the most notable teacher, Gamaliel or Gamalea, however you pronounce it. He went to the Harvard of religious schools. It Doesn't it make sense that if he wanted the Jews saved, he would send the Jew of the Jews? It makes sense to my mind. God sends them to people that probably most of them couldn't even read or write. Definitely didn't care about the God of the Jews. Didn't even know who the God of the Jews were. He sent them to him. Why? Because God said so. And so there's many things he has for you to get you with the right people. Many, many years ago when I was in Augusta, Georgia, deciding I knew I wasn't going to plant a church there, but I knew I was going to plant a church. I had some ideas where to go. Most of it in hindsight is where I wanted to go. It's obvious Paul wanted to go to the Gentile, the Jews. And then the Lord said, I'm sending you to Dalton. Except for my brother that had moved here like 15 years earlier. I didn't even know where Dalton was. I remember, think I remember seeing a sign when I went north on I-75. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to go to Dalton. Well, you got a choice. Do you want to do what you want to do or you want to do what I want to do? How many of us face that all the time? But this is where my destiny was. This is where the fruit's been. When I got here, maybe he thought I was a slow learner. And he just wanted to reinforce it. It wasn't long after I've been here. Now I've been here, this church has been here for 28 years. It wasn't much longer after I, I got here, he told me real clearly. He said, the anointing you have to do what you do will only work here. Now he's talking about my permanent base. I've been in many places around the world and other parts of the country. That's not what he's talking about. But my base. He said, if you go somewhere else, I'm not following you. You're going to be doing it on your own. That's intense, isn't it? So now it's cool. I'm good. I'm excited. I finally embraced God's will. And it wasn't just Dalton. It was you guys. He said, I want you to be around these people and together there's going to be teamwork and synergy to do what I want to do in this region. I'm not called to these concrete block walls. We didn't even have this part of the church when we first started. We were crammed in these two rooms over here. That was no wall in between. It's not this, it's you. My destiny is tied with your destiny, and your destiny is tied with my destiny. That's scary in a way, but it also means I don't have to do everything. I can get the pretty petite one over here to help me out every once in a while. <laughs> Am I picking on you too much? <laughs> At least they're good compliments. Yeah, that's what I'm but there is a group of people, it may be five, it may be bigger, maybe two, I don't know, that your destiny is tied in with them and they, together you'll be helping to ride what God has for your life. Um, that phrase that's so common in America, man is an island and unto himself, that's just junk. It never was true and it's not true now. If you've accomplished anything of value, you did not do it by yourself. You just can't. I want to be, I want to have lots of money like Elon Musk. Well, I would too. Wherever you get to sign up for it, I'll sign up for it. I'll tithe on it. I'll probably even give half of it away, okay? Do you realize Elon Musk has hundreds of thousands of employees that make Tesla, SpaceX, 
open AI and what, and boring and whatever else he's done. He's got all that money because he's part of a teamwork. Now you can argue about the equity and fairness. We're not going to do that. You see my point? He can say, I pulled myself up by the bootstraps. Well, he might have pulled himself up by the bootstraps, but the 100,000 people helped him, or however many employees he has, helped him put, pull up, pull up by the bootstraps. Nothing. Even your family, if you've accomplished something with your family, your spouse, your kids, your mother, your father, whoever helps you get there. And that's, you know, God does that on purpose because the biggest enemy of man is our pride and ego. There's nothing more humble than having to work with other people. Pride and ego, Adam and Eve, we can be like God. I mean, the whole Western culture is going, we can be like God. You know what happens whenever you do that? Arrogance goes before fall. We're, we're going to have some of the biggest falls you've ever seen in the Western world because of our hubris, our arrogance. But we're going to stay humble because when there's humility, as Philippians 2 says, then you're promoted. So in the midst of it, just, just stay humble. Don't get over into the arrogance and ego and go, I need Dustin. Dustin may not think he needs me, but I need him. And that's that right people. So you, you just sort of instinctively know who my right people is. And typically, those are people you would have never picked out. So let's just go to the extreme here. So here's Daly, here's Daly over here. Would you have ever thought when you were in Jamaica, you would be with a southern talking guy as bald headed in northwest Georgia and we're doing something together. You couldn't have even made that up, man. Let alone a long haired weird guy from Cleveland. <laughs> but but some somehow or another we're all in the same room, man. We're all here and it's all good. Because it's not we usually pick people on edu- either educational levels or our monetary levels. We usually pick people who look like us. There is one thing about this church. If you know people, go around, ask them how much they make, where they're from. This is one of the most, it's not the most unusual group, but it's a very diverse group here. And you know, that's God. Because he, because that way he gets all the glory. He can't go, man, Craig had this fabulous plan 28 years ago and look what he's accomplished and this and that, and I'm like, eh. But he has the right people for you. So how do I find the right people? Man, I'm just one rambling on. Y'all doing good? Yeah. We may talk more. We probably won't get off right people today. <laughs> we'll do right place <laughs> next week. And the week after that, who knows, God may change it again as I'm on the front row up there. And he goes, right people is good. Pray for divine connections. And he will bring strategic connections into your life that will be like a hub on a wheel that will spoke out. Let me give you an example. About, see, it was 2016, so six years ago. It's about a year before that, a year and a half. Six and a half years ago, we had spent over almost 15 years working with a missionary in um, Dominican Republic. There's an American missionary, but he'd been down there for 25 years. He had started two churches. We took youth groups down there, did a lot of different trips. But then he retired and turned it over to, to local pastors. And I just didn't feel the connection. 
Um, some of it is me being more apostolic. I'm supposed to work with apostolic people. He did a good job, but those were more pastoral. And I'm like, okay, this isn't where I'm supposed to be connected. So we just slowly backed off. And it was all good. It was God's timing. Then how many of you remember, um, oh, I can't ever think of people's names. Lynette Young, she was did the thrift store that we had here. She came in one day in my office because I was doing something. She goes, you got to meet this guy. And I blew her off. <laughs> and he came in like two more times. Finally, the third time, she goes, God told me you need to go meet this guy. Some of us are slow, aren't we? <laughs> so finally, I get up and I go and meet him. And it was Ramon Coelho. Y'all have seen him. And immediately, as I shook his hand, the Lord said, that's your next apostolic connection for the Dominican Republic. Sometimes it works supernaturally like that. Sometimes it's slower. Sometimes it's, you know, all of a sudden you go, oh, this is it. And it just sort of happened. But he will give you, pray for divine connections that are necessary for the next phase of your life. Or your work as teams. Sometimes connections may just be for, like in Von Gorton's, that was the previous apostolic leader, it was like 15 years. And he's retired now in West Virginia. I mean, we still connect, but we're not working together. The second thing is start looking at those already around you and appreciate what God has already sent. They may already be there and we're just so familiar with them. We've taken them for granted and not go, okay, this is a divine connection for the future. The most, not trivial in sense, but we often do this with our spouses. We're stuck with our spouses in a good way. I mean, it's not like you can just get up and leave. But sometimes because we know them so well, their strengths and weaknesses, we tend to back off and just sort of get in a groove instead of going, God, why do I have this spouse? It's not just to talk and drink coffee at Starbucks, okay? Why do I have this spouse? Why did you bring me together with them instead of somebody else? And you may be surprised the Lord said, I want to take you all to get deeper as a team. Go further than the 20 years of marriage you already have. So look around. Maybe other family members. If there's a family member that you absolutely hate being around, I don't know if it's God or not, but you might want to ask. Sometimes those that grind us the most... It's because it's iron sharpens iron and we need them in our lives. And in the end, sometimes, sometimes they're just jerks. But I'm talking about they're trying to do the best they can. Sometimes you're to be intertwined with them for the future and they have something you have and vice versa. One of the, it's not so much anymore, but when we first started we had more family relatives than we have now. And people would... um often go, well, that's a family church. I'm not going there. And I said, why? And they'd give me all their horror stories. Families can be the best blessings on earth or the worst curses on earth. Depends on if they're walking with God. Do you realize how many family members were in Jesus' disciples? They had cousins and brothers of co- cousins of cousins. Because it was a redeemed family. Families working together is actually a sign of maturity and health as long as they're not trying to control everybody else. You want that. You want your families to join in on what you're doing. And so I agreed with him. I said, yep, family churches can be the worst hell or the worst bless or the best blessing. Um, 
Look for people that when you start sharing ideas and visions, they go, you see a light in their eyes. Because they are called to that same thing. Or they're interested in that same thing. So we'll end with this. We'll maybe talk about the next two next time. I wrote this down. What is God doing in this season? Actually, I wrote it down a couple years ago, but it applies here. He is positioning people perfectly alongside other people for His purpose. You need some more peas? I can try to think of some and throw them in there. He is positioning people perfectly alongside other people for His purpose. When this wave comes, and it's just going to be slow, and even if it's not, we're going to enjoy every day. Anytime, if it doesn't come anytime soon. Where we're going to wave and smile and go, I am glad I'm in this with you guys. I am glad that I'm doing this with you. I'd rather be doing this with you than anybody else, most of the time. Unless you got that iron sharpens iron guy that God, God brought in your life. How many of you ever had those guys? You knew it was God, but you didn't like it. I'm the only one. Got one here. Many times I'm going, God, why is this person in my life? Get him out. And he goes, do you want my will or your will? I like them being in your life. Why? Because there's some things in your life you need to get rid of, and I brought them along for you. <laughs> and then, you know, those guys that I work through, learn to love. In the end, I loved them. I might have still hated their behavior, but I loved them. Why? Because the end times is not... Like you all agree on everything. What does it say if you'll know my, they will know me. They will know you're my disciple by your love for one another. And I really think, I'm going to close with this. The Jesus movement was known as a movement of love. If you were here at the prophetic form, I really think we're going to see a lot of characteristics of the Jesus revival, the movement that came in the late 60s through the early 70s. It was birthed two years earlier in the seat, in the summer of love, which was pure flesh, a hundred thousand people at Highsbury Park in San Francisco. But they were doing something in the flesh because they didn't have enough spiritual knowledge to understand what God was doing in the spirit. And eventually they caught up. This revival is going to be known about Dustin loving me, Josh loving me, when I tick the heck out of them. And people's going to see that, and they're going to go, how can you love somebody that disagrees with you? I don't know. God's good. Jesus has put a love in my heart for them. And I love them in spite of Craig's weaknesses. And they're going to go, there's going to be something eternal on the inside of them that cries out. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, eternity is written in the hearts of men. And something's going to cry out, and they're going, I want to be a part of that. It wasn't us arguing them in with the authenticity of the Bible or the facts of the resurrection, although that's important. They're going to be drawn by love, because that's one of the base characteristics of Jesus Christ. Amen. Any comments, questions? A good small group about this is we can do that, or... Any agreements? Any disagreements? You're all thinking. So, Lord, who are who are my people? You may already know. I already know. It's you guys. Now, there's different levels. But you're still my people. I mean, you know, my wife would be the closest level, and my kids, and it goes out like that. 
but you're still all walking together. All right. Last chance for I pray and dismiss you. So go in the frequency of the Lord and looking for divine connections if you don't already know. And who are my right people? Maybe next week I'll talk about right place. But there are no promises. That's the problem with being a prophetic culture. Have you ever heard my formula? This is the engineer married with a charismatic. Plan plus prophetic equals purpose. You always have a plan. I had a plan. Doesn't matter. I had a whole other topic. We'll do it one day, maybe. Who knows? If not, it's a good message. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> That's the plan, but then the prophetic takes over, and then you end up where you, in your purpose. It's a lesson for you all day long. When you wake up in the morning, I wake up. I said, Father, this is my plan. I'm going to do A, B, C, C, E, E, uh, whatever, A, B, C, one, two, three. But you're open to hearing his voice if he sidetracks you and takes you in a different place. Why can't he just tell me all at the beginning of the day? I don't know. I have no idea. The older I get in Christianity, the more I say I don't know and stop trying to explain things for God. I don't know. That's just why he wanted it. Could he have done it at 6 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. But he decided to do it at 1 p.m. Maybe just to make sure that after 6 p.m. I still stayed close to him. Because if I knew exactly what to do, I'd probably forget him the rest of the day. Father, I don't just dismiss you guys. I'm just talking, sharing now, but I'm having a fun time in the backside. You're probably getting sore and you're going, the lines are getting bigger at Western Sizzling. I got to go, buddy. If you don't hurry up, I'm going to leave and make up some excuse. <laughs> Father, I just thank you for these people that we're all called together in the kingdom for. Help us to love one another in the way that you love us. And where our paths intersect with the world, help us to do that. Help us to pull in those that we need help. Because we want to see your kingdom move forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all be blessed. Have a good week.